Okay, well, I want to start off to this morning um, recalling something in your own past. So I want you to think back to when you first met Jesus. Okay, just, just think about it for a second. Where were you? Who, who was talking to you? <laughs> um, think about the time in your life. Think about who you were, who you were before you met Jesus for the first time. Uh, your life before Christ. And uh, where you are now. Think about how far you've come. How much he's changed you. Over, over the course of time. And, and I know some of you have, you know, you, some of you have really radical stories. You have really cool stories of how you came to know the Lord and how he became so real to you, how you felt his love and acceptance for the first time. And, and some of us, um, not so dramatic stories, <laughs> like me, I was sitting on the side of my mom and dad's bed uh, praying uh, with my mom. And I used to think that was like not so cool, you know, not so cool to have not a dramatic story. But, but the, the thing that always brings me back is, you know what, no matter what our story is, no matter what our testimony is, I think we can all say, I don't know where I'd be if not for, for Jesus saving me. I don't know where I'd be. And no matter how dramatic or how gradual, you know, that change happens, Boy, it happened. <laughs> and if not for that, I don't, I don't even know if I'd be here. I don't even know if I'd be here. What I know about God is that he doesn't want to just keep us there, change us a little bit when he, when, when he first meets us, but he wants to continue to change us over the course of our life, and, and he's not done with us yet. Amen? <laughs> he is not done with us yet. He loves us and accepts us exactly where we are today totally embraces us as we are today. He just doesn't want to leave us that way. Amen? He doesn't want to leave us that way. So before we look at our passage today, I want to go over the context a little bit because I love getting a a kind of a picture of what this letter is all about. And I think it's a good refresher. We've been going through this series for the last couple weeks, probably last four weeks because we're on chapter five. So that would mean one, two, three, four, five. Yeah. (laughs) So we've been doing this series for a little while, um, but I just want to refresh the context for this letter. So the Apostle Paul, he's a missionary, a missionary church planner, and he went through ancient, the ancient Roman world starting these little churches. And the Gentile pagans who were living in Galatia embraced Paul's gospel message, and their church started to just grow. It was really just a powerful time in that church. And when the Apostle Paul left to go plant some other churches throughout the area, uh, these Jewish Christian missionaries came to Galatia to visit. But these missionaries had a radically different message from the Apostle Paul. These new missionaries said to these baby believers, (laughs) these these Galatians, he said, they said, listen, you know, we, we think that the Apostle Paul is great, but we think he's given you half of a message. He hasn't told you the whole truth, and we're here to tell you the whole truth. And they lay it out, and they start to water down the gospel, and they say, of course you need to believe in Jesus. Yes, of course, but he forgot to tell you. <laughs> you also need to do this, and you need to do this, and you need to do this, or else you'll fall right back into your pagan ways. And it was this kind of fear-based motivation, and it starts to derail the Galatian church. 
Which to Paul's dismay, I mean, think about it. If you pour your time and energy and love into a people or into your kids or you know, into anything, and it starts to derail and go off course, it just breaks your heart. And so Paul gets this report that all his hard work in preaching the message of salvation by grace alone is being completely undone. And so he writes this letter, this passionate letter to the Galatians, who he loves. And in chapters one through four, what we see and what we've seen is that Paul lays out this really compelling case. He reminds them of the truth, the full truth, and he re-explains it in really clear language. And he rebukes the teaching of these Judaizers and he relates, again, his care and concern for them. He shows them how their skewed beliefs and where their skewed beliefs are now going to take them if they keep following this half gospel. So in today's passage, what we see is that it's going from this very theological, from chapters one through four, very theological kind of claim of this is what the gospel is, and it shifts. Chapter five, it shifts, and his language changes. Paul starts to go, okay, well, I've primed, I've primed them. I've given them the truth, and I've really compelled them with some good arguments and some good questions, stirred them up really blunt. I'm going to be really practical. Let's just get practical here. And so that's what we see in chapter 5. He lays out this plan for the Christian life, really, which is toward real supernatural growth in the Spirit. Real supernatural growth in the Spirit. You want to really grow? you got to have this. you got to do this. And his desire for them the Galatians, just as it is for us today, is that we wouldn't just remember the gospel, but that we would stay free. That we would stay free, both from this works-based, law-based mentality and this sin-based, desire-based mentality by walking and living by the Spirit of God so that we will have and grow in fruits of the Spirit, becoming more like Christ, right? More like Christ. So let's go ahead and pray before we enter into the Lord's word. God, we just invite more of your spirit here today. We just thank you for this place. I'm just so grateful for, uh, to be able to even gather and, and hear your word and be reminded of, of the freedom that you have given us today. God, I pray you would stir in our hearts something afresh, something new. God, that the, the ways that we've been operating that have not been working, that have been leading us down a path that has been actually more burdensome than freeing, God, would you open our eyes? Would you open our eyes today to what those are? That you would work in our hearts, that you would remind us of the truth, and that you would free us. God, we, we long to grow. We long to be more like you. Would you come today? Would you, would you just give me your words? In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So for the Judaizers, that's the cool name for these Jewish missionaries, the Judaizers, like most religions, so has anybody ever seen any portrayal of the Christian church in media or entertainment? Yeah? See, you know, there's a lot of really popular series right now on Netflix and, you know, different shows, ABC and and NBC that are very religious-based, you know, TV shows. And what I've noticed about all of them, just like the Judaizers, is that usually the motivation for change is enforced and emphasized 
through you working harder, in a sense, moral restraint, and it's always based in fear. It's always based in fear. But the gospel, the gospel, our motivation is so different for change. It's simply that we are already loved. We are already accepted. The king is on the throne. The debt has been paid. Through faith, we are radically accepted. And that is good news. That is really good news. And and let's just look at it this way. So religion, and this is, religion is emphasized, it emphasizes the rules. It emphasizes rules, and it makes you feel what? It makes you feel really guilty when you break them, right? And then what it does is it actually leaves you very powerless to do anything about it. It's like, well, well, you just gotta try harder, right? But the gospel, the gospel emphasizes a relationship and extends freedom and grace for all your law-breaking, and it gives you the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. And Timothy Keller says it this way. He, he breaks it down even more. He says, religion is, I, I, I have to obey, or else I won't be accepted by God or myself or anyone else, for that matter. But the gospel says, I am already accepted. I'm already accepted. Therefore, why wouldn't I obey? Why wouldn't I obey, considering what I have in Christ? So what we see here today is that Paul makes it really clear. He gives us this this choice. He lays out these these paths. He says, you can can have an either morally restrained heart. It's not going to work very well for you. Or you can have a supernaturally changed heart. And he gives some really clear commands throughout this chapter, really clear direction. And you see it throughout the text. And that's what we're going to look at today. And what's interesting is they flow one into the other. It's just like, you got to do this, you got to do this, and then you'll have this. And so it says, simply stand firm in the gospel. Don't lose or abuse your freedom. But walk by the Spirit, and you will see the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life. So let's, look, let's just look at the first one. So freedom in the spirit. Let's look at Galatians 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm. Stand firm then. And don't let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. And then later on, Galatians 5.13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For freedom, for freedom, Christ has freed you. Christ has freed you. Do we understand that? Do we understand what we have? Do we understand the freedom in the gospel of grace? It is unmerited, it's undeserved, it's it's forgiveness, it's acceptance. And it is based on what Christ did, not what we did. Thank God. And, and we're miraculously, we're freed from this, this heavy, heavy yoke of guilt and shame and this power of sin in our lives, but it doesn't mean that we still don't struggle, right? Especially on this side of heaven, we still, we still struggle. Because Paul says, despite its divine source, our freedom is actually really fragile. It's fragile. And it can slip away from our grasp. And and he's not talking about, you know, losing your salvation. It's, it's, it's that we can lose our freedom 
from enslavement. We can run, we can choose to run back to performance-based religion or just desire-based, whatever I want to do, religion. We can run back to either. And, and when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives through faith, what, what we forget is that you know, we had the old fight, right? Before we were Christians, there was a fight going on, but it was between us and God. <laughs> we're like, I don't know if I really want to do and, and accept and believe in and, and you. And, and our lives, honestly, were just going in a different direction. It was a different kind of fight. And we started to experience the breakdown of that in our lives before we knew Christ. But when we come to know Christ, <laughs> this foreign object start, it resides in our heart now. It's called the Holy Spirit. And we have this new self, and there's this new battle that's going on within us. It's the old self and the new self. The old self and the new self. We've got two sides to us now. Have you ever heard the phrase, a Christian fights the good fight? Have you ever heard that? And, and, and it's not you know, in the political arena, it's not in the cultural arena that we fight the good fight, you know? And uh, it's actually, it's in here. This is where we, we fight the good fight, is right here. It's an internal battle of desires and wills within us. And in this passage, we start to see that this battleground for our freedom can swing in two different extremes, right? Two different extremes. We can try to live up to a certain standard, which is the law, but really it's just the standard by which you live. It's the standard by which you live so that you feel acceptable to God. And honestly, just you feel better about yourself, right? I gotta, I gotta do, I gotta be a certain way so I feel better about myself, so I feel more accepted by other people. Or that I feel, you know, like that God will feel better about me so that maybe, you know, pain and suffering won't, won't harm me because I'm, well, I'm doing the good things. When really you're not loving God for him, you're loving God for what you hope he'll give you which it doesn't work like that. It's not a barter system, right? So you can live to that one extreme where it's work-based. It's all about you and what you do on your own standards, the law. And then the other extreme is that you can do away with all the standards entirely, right? You just be like, oh, just whatever. I'm going to give it up. It's just too much. And you just start living any way you want, right? You go back to your old way in a sense. You, you live out of the old self and you let your desires and your preferences run your life, right? I do that on a daily basis. Come on, let's just be honest. It's so easy to fall back into that way. We can lose our freedom, both by going back to the works and trying to, to earn it on our own, or abusing our freedom by, by permissiveness and rationalization and turning back to our old ways. And, and I know you're going to laugh at me, but this song <laughs> came back to memory as I was going through this, these passages and I laughed and I'm like, hey, that's a good example, God. That's a good one. And you're going to laugh because it's from the um, uh, movie Frozen, okay? And it's the song Let It Go, okay? So it's the Disney animated movie called Frozen. And Elsa, one of the characters, she's, uh, she's been doing the right thing for a long time. And now she's just sick of it. She's like, I'm done. So she lets it go. And I want to read some of the lyrics to you. It's a great example of this pendulum swing, of this extreme that we can fall into. Uh, this is what it says. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl that you always have to be. Conceal. Don't feel. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. So let it go. Let it go. 
can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go, turn away and slam the door. I don't care what they're gonna say. Let the storm rage on. The cold never bothered me anyway. Sing it if you know it. No, <laughs> we, would, we would all break out in song. Some of us, it's like, oh, I've heard it too much. Um, and then it says, it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and to break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm what? I'm free. Right? Now, that's, that's not freedom. That's not freedom. And we, get, we start to learn that real fast. Because it always ends in what? It's in, it ends in slavery. It's the opposite. It's always the opposite. It's right back to the same guilt and the shame and the fear and the anxiety that we once held on to and lived in. We understand, I mean, let's just be honest, we understand what it looks like to be enslaved to our own works. It's all based on our own merit and we're sweating it every day because we got to do what's right. But sometimes we forget what enslavement looks like when it comes to our own desires, when we let it go, right? We run right back to letting our wills and our preferences dictate our life, and, and it's not as clear as to why that leads to enslavery, because in the moment, it feels really free. It feels really good to just live whatever the heck, the way you want to. Just, it feels really freeing, but it always ends in slavery. Always. Think about it. When you're in your 20s, if you chose to say, you know what, I'm just going to live any way I want. I'm not going to get a job. I'm just going to live off of credit cards. I want that TV, I'm going to buy it. And I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and I'm going to just let my desires just run wild. What happens to you in your 30s? Your debt catches up to you. <laughs> your lack of an unemployment uh, catches up to you. And all of a sudden, you're enslaved to what? The consequences of our choices start to catch up with us, right? And then we're enslaved to something else. We don't get to buy those things we want anymore, and we don't get to do the job or have the career we want anymore. And, and, and JT's gonna talk a little bit more about this next week, but, but again, it ends in slavery, and Paul says, we're set free to live free. So stand in it, hold on to it. It is so easy to go from one extreme to the next, but hold on to it. Don't let your freedom go to some false illusion of freedom. So how do we do this? How do we not let this go? Well, Paul lays out another command that's essential for our growth, and he says, walk by the Spirit. Galatians 15, 16 through 18. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh, and they are in conflict with one another, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So how can we do this? How can we do this practically? It's all about who you're walking with. It is all about not the walking, the doing, it's the who you're doing it with, by the Spirit. And it's by his power at work in our lives that we have any hope for any kind of change in our life, any hope for change, because we can't do it alone. It is not about trying harder or having more willpower to overcome certain things in our life we don't like so much. <laughs> and there's certain, this is really cool, there's certain attributes of God that are communicable, 
And it's kind of like, you, you usually don't hear that word unless you know there's some kind of virus loose in Columbus. Because it's a communicable, you, you've heard of that? Communicable diseases. It means they're catching. They're catching, right? It's contagious. And it's the parts of God's character that when you get near him, you catch them. You catch them. They have the power to rub off on you. The power to rub off on you. It's like love and kindness and wisdom and gentleness. It rubs off on you. Unlike the incommunicable attributes of God, which are things like omnipresence, which sometimes, I'll be honest, I wish I had, but I can't catch that one. That's an incommunicable uh, attribute of God. But the communicable ones are, are what? They're the fruits of the Spirit. And it's, it's when we get near him, near him. It, so if you really love somebody, right? You live with somebody, you're married to someone, you have kids, it is so hard to avoid catching what they get. You always inevitably catch what they get. Uh, you always get it too. Anybody you really love or spend a lot of time with, when you're just together with them, you always get what they have. Even weeks later, I'm like, dang it, I thought I was clear. And I always get whatever Adam or Eden has. You catch these attributes when you're walking by the Spirit. When you open the Word of God, and instead of just saying, oh, I've heard that before and I know that, it, you let it wash over you. You meditate on it and you go, God, show me who you are. Let it wash over me. Let it be something that goes beyond just what I know and something I can experience because that's when I'm going to change is when I experience your presence. When we look at his majesty and we look at his greatness and it causes us to want to almost bow down because we feel the weight and the beauty of it. I mean, that's when you start to catch it. And the secret of walking by the Spirit, it's not a bunch of rules and, and hoops that you have to jump through in a certain way of walking. It's just simply who you're walking with. Get near him. Are you spending time with him? And the result of walking by the Spirit is that the fruit of the Spirit grows. It grows. And this is where I want to spend a little bit more time uh, today. The fruit of the Spirit is this, is one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Galatians 5, through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there are no law. And if you and I truly live Spirit-controlled, Spirit-led lives, we will change. And if you let the Holy Spirit lead you, you will become more loving, kind, and patient, pretty much the person you've always wished you were, right? And growing in the fruit of the Spirit, we need to realize it's a supernatural change of heart. It's not a list of things that you can do. Oh, so I've got to be more loving, and I've got to be more joyful, and I've got to be more peaceful, and I've got to be... No, no, no. This is going to happen from within. So how do we know that the fruits of the Spirit are really in our lives? How do we know? And I want to just touch on three things. First, the fruit of the Spirit, it always starts from the inside out. It's always internal first. Internal. The law or your works-based religions, it's just another form of moral constraint. And, and, it, can, and it can stop you know, the messed up behavior, but it can't stop your messed up heart. It can't actually get in and deal with the messed upness inside. I and mean, think about it, a well-enforced law 
it can stop most murder, right? Because you're scared of what, what could happen to you if you did it, you know? It's fear-based. But it can't deal with the anger. It can't deal with the hate. It can't deal with the resentment in a person's heart. Only the Spirit can do that. Only the Spirit can do that. So if the law is useless, what works? The Spirit. The Spirit goes where the law can't go. It deals with the things that the law can't deal with. And the law and the Spirit, they can both control like what comes out you know, in an exterior sense, but, but the Spirit can only deal with what's internal. Think about it. Leading and counseling and singing and preaching and you know, being a really great business entrepreneur or an IQ that's out of this world or just having charisma, is that the fruit of the Spirit? Is that the fruit of the Spirit? When you look at somebody like that, oh, their fruit of the Spirit is so evident. Because actually, you know, and we've all experienced this, those things can come from many different motivations, right? They can come from very different places. Because there's a difference between mechanical outside exterior growth and organic growth that comes from the inside out. Let's just say this, if you get a brick and you throw a brick on a pile and you throw another brick on a pile and you throw another brick on the pile, that pile is going to grow, but it only grows in number. There's not any kind of organic inside out kind of growth, it's just growing in number, right? What I found interesting is that both Martin Luther and John Wesley, who are just incredible pillars in the Christian faith and, and have amazing testimonies in their journals, they actually recall that some of the most productive times in their life were actually the times before they were really a Christian. Oh, they were doing great things for God. But it was all out of this exterior motivation. I'm going to do good things for God. I'm going to do good things. But they realized they weren't becoming good. They realized something hadn't changed on the inside. And until they really met the Holy Spirit, did they really, or God, and the Holy Spirit came and dwelled in them, did they realize, oh my goodness, I'm changing from the inside out. I'm actually changing and becoming a better person. And another really famous verse other than the fruits of the Spirit is what? 1 Corinthians 13 in the Bible. Everybody's probably heard it. It's the, the love chapter, right? And you hear it at weddings and, and you hear it a lot, of, a lot of other places. And what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church is, is actually in that, in that passage, he's saying it is actually totally possible to live a really ethical life without love at the root without a heart that has been changed through the experience of grace and the love of God. Paul looks at the Corinthian church and he says, guys, you're harsh, you're rude, you don't have any self-control. Oh, sure, you're busy with lots of great activities and, and you may be doing some really good things, but you don't have love. You don't have love. And he's not saying you're not a Christian, he's saying it's possible. You've got to remember it's possible to live out of a motivation of fear, to live out of a motivation of pride, out of a sense of superiority or wanting to look good or, or just trying to look really active, you know, wherever you are in your church. All the while, all the while, your life isn't changing. You're not being changed. So the fruit is always internal first, coming from the inside out. And then second, the fruit always comes together, all at once. 
If they don't grow together, they're not growing. And this is what's going to drive some of you nuts. Any grammar Nazis in here? You look at the Bible, you're like, how dare they have a grammatical mistake in the Bible of all places, right? It kind of offends you when you look at this verse because what do you see? Fruit. But then right after that, it's a plural predicate, which means there's nine different fruits that follow it. So it's describing something that's plural. It should be fruits of the Spirit, but it's not. And that's very intentional. By Paul, it's very intentional because they're interdependent on one another. You can't have one without the others. You can't. You can't be patient with people or with life unless what? You're humble too. I mean, you just can't. Good luck with that. You will not without being also humble. You can't be kind without also having a lot of self-control, right? A lot of self-control. And we can't say, you know what, there, um, there's a couple of these I'm really good at. I, I like the, you know, the kindness one and the, you know, the goodness one. Those, those, I can do those. But the patience one, mm, not really good at that. And they all grow together. Now, some might lag, you know, some might lag. God's working on certain things in your life. That's fine. But they're always going to grow together. And this is important. There are people who are naturally Naturally patient and gentle and empathetic. Think of those people. <clears throat> but they're not courageous at all. They would never in their life ever confront you on anything. Ever. And then there's people who are really bold and they're assertive and they're, and they're leaders, but they are so harsh and they're so impatient. But real gentleness, real gentleness is so filled with love so secure in love, so patient, that on a dime it can be bold. On a dime. Because it's rooted in love. If that's what's best for you, heck yeah, I'm going to speak the truth. Because I love you. I love you. Sometimes what we see can actually not be fruit at all. It's just temperamental sweetness or temperamental boldness. But really that sweetness is, is the fruit of it is just cowardice or the root of it is just cowardice, or, or the boldness is actually, let's just call it arrogance or pride. And JT had a great quote a couple weeks ago in the same series, and he said this, if you're making a good decision, but you're doing it with a wrong motivation, you're going to bear bad fruit. You're gonna bear bad fruit. It is not supernatural fruit of the Spirit if it's not altogether. And the third one, it's gradual. It's gradual. Fruit, boy, it's gradual. Gradual growth. Now look right before that. Look in the passage. It's the acts of the flesh. The passage right before this one. It's acts of the flesh and then fruit of the spirit. And that's interesting to me because it's acts of the flesh are immediate and there's something I can do. But fruit of the spirit means it's slow going and it's all dependent on the spirit. <laughs> Growth cannot be seen, and usually it cannot be felt. It can only be measured. I was away for a week from my daughter, who's three, and she's in that pivotal you know, time in her life where she's shooting up like a weed. And, and after a week of not seeing her, I came back, I'm like, whoa, you've grown. You're so much taller. But before that, when I was just doing life with her, 
I didn't know she was growing. The only thing I couldn't figure out was why her pants kept getting shorter. I'm like, oh man, did I put these on like the, the hot cycle? Did I shrink them? No, she's growing. I can measure that. I can measure that. Ever had a birthday? And someone said to you, oh, happy birthday, happy birthday, where is he? Happy birthday, Michael. <laughs> and then they ask you the inevitable question, how does it feel to be 35? And you're like, uh, same as 34? I mean, what am I, how do I answer that? Because you don't feel older. You just are older. It's something you can measure. It's something you can, you can just measure. And, and you may not think that you're growing till something difficult comes along and you actually realize you've responded differently than you would have maybe even a year ago. I had a friend that I saw uh, just this last week and I, I met up with her and she told me, she said, Heather, I lost my job two days ago. I'm like, what? You lost, how, how are you? She's like, it's kind of weird, but I'm doing okay. And I'm like, really? She's like, Heather, oh, before I would have been just, oh, I would have been so angry. I would have been so vengeful. I would have just been not a great person. She's like, but I, I'm actually okay with it. I actually have this peace. She's like, I think it's going to be okay. She's like, Heather, it just, it must be God. It must be God. I mean, <laughs> there's the, it's the only reason. And it's right. She's right. She's grown. She didn't realize it, but she's grown. So in closing, how do we grow? How do we grow? How do we develop this fruit in our life? And I want to just look at the last two verses, or last three verses in the chapter of Galatians 5. It says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. What we know is that we can't make fruit on our own. We can't, mm, I'm going to just try harder. It's going to pop out somehow. Like, there's no fruit that's going to ever happen because you just tried harder. I'm sorry. Good luck. You're going to pop a vein or something. Like, it's not going to work. It's not going to work because it's fruit of the Spirit. A gardener does not make things grow. I'm sorry, farmers in the room. Like, you don't make things grow. What do you do? You know this. You only create the conditions, the right conditions for growth. And then the power of the seed is released. It does what, it, what it's meant to do. And, and we can cultivate, we can't make, but we can cultivate the right conditions for growth. And, and just look at this verse. I've underlined these four things. Belong to Christ. Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Live by the Spirit. And then each other. Because that last verse kind of comes out of nowhere. So first, we need to remember that we belong to Christ. And Michael talked about this last week. Children of God, all that is his is ours. Our approval, our welcome from the Father rests not in our character or our actions, but in his character and his actions. You know what that means? It means if your identity is in Christ, that can never be taken away from you. Never. No matter what happens in your life, that will never be taken away from you. And then second, we need to crucify our sinful nature. And what, it, what this really means is you've got to look at why. Why are you acting the way you're acting? Crucifying, it, I mean, let's be honest, it, it means nailing something up and watching it die a slow and painful death. 
I mean, that, that's not pretty. We can't just say no to the sin in our lives or the habits in our lives that we don't like. What is that? That's just morally constraining our actions. And what do you always find out? 10 minutes later, it's like, well, that didn't work. I mean, really, go try to be patient today. Just try, just try. <laughs> and you'll hit that outlet mall traffic and you'll be like, Wah! you know? I mean, it just, it's so easy to try to constrain you know, the actions exterior on the exterior, but, but it, it's all about the why, God. Why am I impatient? Show me the root of this. Show me the, not only the effects, but the root of my messed up heart. It's more than just saying no, but we gotta ask the Spirit, God, why? And start to crucify the real root, which, which honestly, like when we look at Christ, when we're walking in the Spirit, that is so much easier to let go of the things, those reasons, those roots as to why, because he becomes more beautiful. He becomes the thing we desire more. And then third, we need to cape and step with the Spirit, which again, he's just iterating, reiterating this. He's saying, walk by the Spirit. And then fourth one is, is this last little verse here. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. Do you know that he does this a couple times in this, in this chapter? And what it means is you don't get to grow all by yourself in a little petri dish, all isolated and alone. That's not natural growth. You want natural growth? It's in community. It's in community. It's with each other. It's with each other. And I want to end with this. 1 John 3, 2. Dear friends, we are, we are, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. There's so much potential, but it's not been made known. But we know that when Christ appears on the final day, <laughs> when he finally returns, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Oh, that's good. <laughs> when Jesus comes, when he returns, he is not going to have this bazooka sin blaster and he's just going to blast the sin right out of you. And you're going to be like, finally, thank you. I've been battling forever. You've finally taken away my sinful nature. No, look at this passage. We will see him as he is. Then we will be like him. That's the secret. You're only as loving as he is loving, as you see him as loving. You get more loving when you see he's more loving than you ever thought. And your definition and experience of love starts to grow. Oh, I thought this was love, but boy, this is love. Whoa, this just redefines it for me. I finally see what love really looks like. Then you become more loving. What does it say? We become what we worship, right? We become what we experience. Richard Foster says to stand before the Holy One of eternity is to change. You can't not change when you stand in the presence of God. Isn't that encouraging? If you come forward for prayer and you're like, eh, well, that wasn't very good. Well, you came forward for prayer. And I just want to validate that. If you ever step into the presence of God, something's gonna change. You may not feel it, but something is changing. Something is changing. I wanna share a, a story in closing. A long time ago, <laughs> I was gonna meet up with a friend, well, a girl that was in my small group, and I was, just to be honest, really dreading it. 
I was really dreading it. It was just an hour-long meeting, and I was just going to talk to her about life, and, and I just had a really bad attitude. She just felt like a difficult person. I felt like, Lord, if I go do this, I'm just going to be drained. And I just had a really bad attitude, but I have this problem where, especially when I'm one-on-one with people, I can't fake it very well. <clears throat> so I knew that God had to do something. <laughs> It's like, God, seriously, you're going to have to do something with my heart because I have a really bad attitude about this. I don't want to meet with her. I, there's so many other things I'd rather be doing. <laughs> really selfish. Uh, but in that moment, I just said, God, help me. And he did. And I, was, I, I do this a lot. I'm a pretty visual person. And, and I, I practice just imaginative prayer where I'm, I literally imagine myself just sitting there with Jesus. I said, God, I mean, Jesus, you're just going to have to help me. I can't do this. I, I don't want to do this. And yet, I know I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to sit there. Like, you've got to help me here. And he said, okay. Then I want, you to invite, I want you to invite her into this space. And I was like, what? I was, that was not something I was thinking. I'm like, no. This is my place with you. I'm like, this is weird. Why would I invite her into my... That's just... I don't know about that. And I argued with God for a while. I'm like, this is my sacred place with you. Like, nobody knows about this place. And don't tell me to invite her, of all people, into here. He's like, I want you to invite her in here. And so I complied. (laughs) I listened. I said, okay. So all I did was I just imagined this girl walking into where Jesus and I were sitting. And that's where it took over. That's where the Spirit took over. And all of a sudden, I realized she couldn't see Jesus in me. She couldn't see us. And he, and he points at her, and he says, I want you to look at her. And he says, do you see that? Do you see what she's doing? He's like, look at her. That's my girl. And he's like, do you see what she's doing? She, he's like, I created that. And she's the only one that does that. She's the only one that delights in that, in the way that she is. Do you see that? He's like, I love her. She's my girl. And he's like, you don't see her the way I see her. Look at my face. And when I looked at Jesus' face, I could see this incredible love that he had for her that I was like, what? And it changed me. It changed me. The way that I saw Jesus looking at her, I'm like, I don't know that kind of love. I don't have that kind of love. And it has forever changed the way I look at people let alone that hour meeting I had with her. I walked out of that just joyful. I'm like, I just got to spend time with that girl. I'm lucky, because she's loved by God, and she's special to him. She is so valuable, and he's entrusted me with her. She, she's so valuable to him. And it's when we get to experience God's love that it's just so beyond our understanding of earthly love. Let's just be honest. When we get to experience his love, Boy, it just expands. It, 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 it rubs off on us. It's catching. It changes us. Every time we experience the goodness of God, the love of God, boy, it changes us into a more trusting person, a more loving person. That is the, the Spirit. That's the power of the Spirit at work in our lives. And as we walk by the Spirit, He's going to change us from the inside out. That. Now that is good news. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. We're just going to have some ministry time where we just make ourselves available to the Lord and we say, God, we're open to whatever you want to do in us today. And we would just respond. Respond to what he's already stirring up in us. 
And uh, as I was praying about this, which I usually try to do because it scares me, <laughs> it scares me um, being dependent on God. I'm, I just felt like he said, you know what? I've already done it. I've already stirred people up and I just want them to come forward. And if you at all feel like, you know what, there was something in this message today that God was just using to speak to my heart, I, I want you to come forward for prayer. And Penny uh, Meyer, who is, uh, used to be on staff here at the church, and she's a, just a pillar in this church. She's one of the, Danny and Penny Meyer started this church. She had a word last night, and I, I just felt reminded to, to share it again. And she said that uh, some of you have something in your lives where you feel really discouraged. You feel really discouraged about a certain aspect of your life that you just feel like you've, you just cannot win. It just keeps tripping you up. And the Lord just, he wants freedom for you today. He wants freedom for you. And he wants you to just come forward in faith and just say, God, I believe you actually want to help me. You want to deliver me from this that I feel like I can't, I can't out of willpower alone seem to make it. So if that's you, uh, I just encourage you to come forward. I really believe that God wants to free you today. And then again, just anything that, that you feel like you need prayer for today, if, there are, if you have any kind of pains, I have a pain in my knee, I might even come down for prayer. Um, <laughs> you have any kind of sickness that you would just, you would love prayer for, would you come forward? We believe that God heals. And we wanna see, we wanna see you healed. Uh, the kingdom come. So just come forward. And, and if any of you um, are small group leaders or just really anyone in the church, feel free to come forward and pray. Guys with guys, girls with girls, and just start coming forward. Any of you that just, you know what, I really, I need the experience of the spirit at work in my life this morning, just come forward. Just start coming forward. Anyone that really would love some prayer. Mm. Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. By your presence, Lord. Let's make sure everyone has someone praying for them. There's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that would ever come close. Nothing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord, I've tasted and seen. Tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves, where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. In your presence, Lord, 
Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, oh Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all that you have just available for us in your spirit. That we do not have to do this alone. It's not something we have to try harder for. But we have hope. <laughs> we have hope that, that change, oh, you have change for us, Lord, that you're going to complete the good work in our lives, God, to the day of completion. Lord, you're going to keep working on us. Oh, Lord, just encourage our hearts today with how much you have worked on our lives. You have worked your spirit within us, the fruits of the spirit within our lives. And, and just continue to do more, God. We just say yes to your spirit at work in our lives. God, I pray just blessing over everyone here in the name of Jesus. God, uh, your spirit would be with them. We just praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.